Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. We are back. Long, long week and a half. But we decided after the Marquette game, we fucking killed Wojo. Candidly, I lit it up on Twitter that night. We decided no podcast then. And we just come do one right after the Creighton game, which we thought would be an exciting referendum. Big win. Big win. Turned out to be a referendum on the team. Not very exciting, though. Did not go as planned. However, I have to come clean. Did I have it. to come clean to our fan base. I did not watch a minute of the Creighton game. And that's an unusual thing to admit as a podcast host for a Villanova basketball team when I didn't watch the Villanova basketball game. And I'm still going to podcast on it. Um, no, I mean, but- I, mean, I mean, that checks. Like, we talk about things we don't know all the time. So I think this actually fits in pretty well. Yeah, I'm I all, mean, I'm very- all on board. I am a very good white guy. I am talking about yes. stuff that I don't know, and I am going to explain it to you anyway. Um, Perfectly. And probably yeah. wrong, probably in the wrong way as well. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Well, we're going to defend against that a little bit. So okay. here's what here's, – let, let, me, let me explain myself. Here's what happened. My wife is Chinese-American. Um, many of you may already know that. Um, and we were hosting Chinese New Year at a little, small little family gathering, five people or so, nothing big. Linda's mom is in town. My parents came over. And so we had a, we had a gathering for Chinese New Year. Linda, as everyone here has heard, I've talked about many times, she's listened to the pod. She goes to Villanova games with me. We went to the Final Four together. She watches games all the time. She's a great Villanova fan for someone who went to Penn State. Now, she said, look, Chris, it's right in the middle of Chinese New Year dinner. Can you can you spare me this one time? And I said, you know what? Family obligations came first. And candidly, I'm really fucking happy they did because I'm glad I didn't have to watch a minute of that shit show. I tracked the score on my phone and said, do I want to put this on? And uh, no, the answer was no. no. Absolutely. No. You you 100% lucked out there. Yeah. So this podcast is going to take on a different form because I am, at least in the beginning part, because I'm just going to ask Rob literally what happened. Yeah. Let's go. Shall we, yeah. shall we get into it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so look, like I, I looked at, I looked on the game recap and the box score and whatever, and I'm not getting the full picture here. It seemed like 14 minutes into the game, we were like within a point, it seemed like a close enough game. And then it all seemed to spiral out of control. Like what happened? It's a good question. And I'll tell you this before we get into the game, I'm going to set the stage a little bit on my end of things as well. Because I think it's important, and I'll give you a little bit of a play-by-play with what happened on my end as the game went along. So I was back in Pittsburgh, as we've discussed, the capital of Appalachia. Appalachia. Appalachia, yes. Um, My wife and I drove back to Pittsburgh to help um, an older aunt actually pack up her house to move. We did our COVID test prior to going, tested negative, yada, yada. Got there, spent all day Friday, all day Saturday packing up her house. So we had said, look, Saturday afternoon, we need to be out of your house by 4.30. I've got to watch the Nova game. And keep in mind, like most of our listeners, I have not watched a game with people 
aside from my wife in a while. So I was like, I'm used to kind of being in my own space, not having different stimulus, whatever. So long story short, we go, we're, we're about to head out from my aunt's house. And my dad goes, Hey, aunt, do you want to come? That's what he calls her aunt. <laughs> do you, <laughs> do you, you want to come over for dinner? And I'm like, excuse me. Uh, this was not cleared with me. Granted, we're staying at my dad's house, but like, this was not cleared with me. News to me. <laughs> and like, look, I love my aunt to death, but my aunt's like a talker. And she's like, she wants to chat. She wants to hang out. She wants to build a relationship, all this stuff. All reasonable things. I just want to watch the Villanova game. And my dad, of course, is like, oh yeah, come over at like 6, 6.30. I'm like, excuse me. Like the game starts at five. Like it's going to be smack in the middle of this. So I'm already... <laughs> I'm already in a bad mood to start, like, thinking about her coming over. So this is all going on in my head prior to the game. So I'm not in a good space to start. <laughs> bad mental space that's going to get worse. Really not a good start to things. And definitely an omen of what was to come. And I'll say this. So I'm watching the game. It's me, Nicole, and my dad. I haven't seen my dad in, in a while. Game starts off. It's actually a really interesting game to start. Like you said, kind of 14 minutes in it's it's fun like i'm sitting there this is fast paced this is back and forth creighton throws the punch we throw a punch samuels is getting involved samuels had a red hot start i was pumped start of the game i'm saying this is a samuels game right now we're gonna get 25 from samuels and i'm thinking in my head i'm already going to oh shit we're gonna get like a vintage like jenkins like February, March, April run from Jermaine Samuels. Like, yes, my head is there already. I'm like, Samuels has clicked into another gear. I'm ready to get back on board. Yeah, and I want to pause there real quick because I want to talk about Samuels because he is my winner for Alpha Dog of the Week. 16 points against Creighton. Obviously, we don't care as much about that, but absolutely obliterated Marquette and was incredible. And Samuels is just absolutely lighting it up of late. Like, just playing super well. And I've never seen, I can't remember a time, I honestly can't remember a time where, like, I've seen it happen before a season where the light bulb went on. Like, before Dwayne Anderson, who we often actually liken Samuels to. Yeah. Before Dwayne Anderson's junior year, a light bulb went on. And he, like, barely ever played. And then all of a sudden, he was good and a captain of the squad. Like, so clearly the bulb went on for him. I've never seen a player, the light bulb go on in the middle of the season. <laughs> Yeah. Like, but like in like a way I've never seen it before. Like we were talking about Jermaine as like, wow, do we have to start thinking about bringing our bench? Does he come off the bench? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We were going, we weren't necessarily that far down that road. Yet, no, no. We, were, we were like, he's not even being an X factor right now. Like we said that on the pod and whatever. Now, not only is he not, now he's the X factor now. Now he's like the second or third best player on the team. Totally. Totally. And he was the first 10, 15 minutes of that game. He was absolutely showing that side. Like I said, I was jumping so far ahead to, wow, Jermaine has got it. And I was pumped. Unfortunately, that was pretty much all we saw of him. Yeah, he did add a few points later in the game, but they weren't meaningful. And that was one of my big themes for the game was kind of the, the disappearance of Jermaine. I actually don't think it was a, a, a total fault of his. I think it was more of a fault of the rest of our offense, which we'll get to. But yeah, so first 15 minutes, this is back and forth. I'm like, look, we're down a little bit, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like we're hanging with these guys. And the shots weren't quite falling even then, but I figured they would come around and we'd 
click into gear and second half would come and we would put these guys away. No problem. No questions asked. There were a couple red flags though, even early on. Creighton is obviously a fast team. They play fast. They were moving the ball well. They were getting some really good open looks and man, were they burying them. Balak had an amazing game. He hit a, a I think he hit basically a logo shot pretty early in the game. It was absurd. And they were really running an awesome pick and roll with, I think, Bishop in particular was getting the ball and just pounding it inside. So already you were seeing some cracks in the defense, but we were making enough shots and making enough stops that we were holding them close. And then it fast forwards to the next few minutes, the end of the second, the end of the first half, if you will. And yeah, things opened up a little bit there. There was a risk it could have ballooned. We pulled it a little bit tighter. And we look, we ended the half down six, but J-Rob, I believe, missed a three, a pretty open three towards the end of the half, which could have cut it to three. And at that point, if it's a three-point game, you're thinking, yeah, whatever, this is, this is a wash for the first half. And I feel pretty good about it. Of course, he didn't make it, but I'm sitting there saying, okay, we're down six. This is fine. So pulse check around the room at this point. Nicole's sitting there. My dad's sitting there. I'm like, okay, this is fine. I seem kind of in control. Dropped a few F-bombs, but nothing too elaborate. So (laughs) nothing too out of the ordinary. I think my dad, although I will say this, I think my dad at this point, because I I use fuck so often, it's, it's terrible. I think he's a little bit surprised and a little bit taken aback about how freely I use it. I heard it. I saw his eyes peek like perk up a couple times so I was just dropping it casually during the game like eh, maybe I'll try to tailor this back next time I'm home but regardless, <laughs> we, we made it through we made it through so that gets us that gets us to halftime so again feeling kind of neutral at that point and then the second half started yeah so so walk me through the second half a little bit here because uh, it was like yeah I saw the six point Lee I, I saw the six point deficit at halftime I was I was I was plugged into that and then all of a sudden it was just it felt like it was over immediately. It, it really was. And if you look at the game flow, you see Creighton just has the nice linear path of just regularly making shots. And the difference between the first half and the second half is the first half. Oh, by the way, quick side note. In the first half, Creighton was 6 of 10 from 3. So they were shooting the lights out. And you got to think, oh, there's a little bit of mean regression that's going to happen. It did happen on their end. It didn't happen on our end. And that was really the story of it. They continued to play really well. The ball movement was amazing. I will compare it to what we would do in 2018 to teams. It was just really crisp passes, find the open man, ready to shoot, and they made the shots. The difference between that half and the first half, again, was that we weren't doing anything. Our offense stagnated. We, I talked about Samuels a little bit earlier. Samuels might as well have been on the bench at that point. And the offense basically devolved into, look, our top three guys we all know are J-Rob, Colin, and Justin Moore. And the offense became one of those three coming off a screen or having a set shot and shooting a three. And unfortunately, those shots didn't go in. We shot something like 30% from three, I think it was, something like that. And when that happens, it's tough for us to win. We know that. But that's what the offense devolved into. The creativity was gone. Samuels was gone. It was just well, a total mess. And so, well, let, yeah. let's put it this way: you can't have you can't have the opposing team shoot like north of fifty five percent from the field or sixty percent from the field 
forget three pointers from the field and us shoot like 35, 37% from the field overall and, and, and expect to come away with the win. It just can't happen. Yeah, totally. I mean, I will say Creighton's three point average did fall down to 46%, which is still high. But it's not the 60% they were shooting in the first half. We just absolutely disappeared on offense. And our defense was a travesty. And you want to talk bigger picture stuff coming out of this game? That's the one thing that worries me is there were so many holes in the defense. And Creighton was really having their way with us there. Whether it was getting it inside or taking and making the open three, you do wonder, start to wonder, is there a bit of a blueprint to start to beat us? Because what I saw there combined then with the St. John's game, it does start to raise questions. And we had no answer, which I think is like my last takeaway from this. We've talked about the bench before. We know the bench is MIA. It doesn't really contribute a whole lot. Slater got a big run, played 25 minutes or so. Again, didn't contribute a lot offensively, which we don't expect him to. But if you're playing 25 minutes, you need to contribute, you need to contribute more than, than just kind of the basics. And you did have 11 points there. The guy who I kind of love to hate on at this point is Cole Swider. He played 16 minutes. He did not take a single shot. I, I Honestly, when we were prepping for this, I literally asked you if it was a mistake. It's, it's baffling because a guy, as we've talked about time and time again, Swider's value is on the offensive end, not the defensive end. He is a net negative defensively, and he has to make that up on the offensive end. I don't care if he's playing five minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. He needs to be shooting. And any game where he is not shooting, it's a waste of him on the floor. And uh, what that's what happened here. What, what I don't understand is how he is not shooting. Like I don't like to me I don't get it. He's tall. He's not short. So like he can get up and over a guy and shoot the ball. But like in addition to that, if you're a shot maker, wouldn't you just be out there hunting your shot? Like look at what Steph Curry, I mean look, Steph Curry's I'm not comparing Swider to Curry. But what I'm saying is look at what Steph Curry has to go through to get an open look and yet does it almost every time down the floor. Yeah. And Swider can't seem to ever have an open look. Like what the fuck is that about? How is it possible that he never has an open look? And like part of it is purely like we're not a fast team. So like we don't have that first step blast by people that um that we did. So we don't play on the interior. We're shooting a lot of mid-range and three-point shots relative to prior years where either Brunson could break you down with his creativity and his skill. Booth could get by you with his athleticism. Dante DiVincenzo could get by you with his athleticism. Archie Diacono was exceptional from the mid-range. So, like, you had guards who can break you down and get by you. We don't necessarily have a blow-by guy. Moore is the Moore is the crafty of the group who can probably get down there and and do that. Colin is a three-point shooting point guard in in, in many ways. So and, um, and unfortunately, he's not making those shots right now. He had another bad game. He was two for eight from from three against yeah. Creighton, and yeah. some of those were open looks that he needs to make. And if we go back a few games. Look, he, he hasn't he hasn't been on fire. He hasn't been setting no. the world on fire recently. No, he's been he's been rusty from behind the arc. I would say that Colin, though, I trust him too much. I feel like the shot's gonna come around for him. So like he keeps shooting open looks, they're gonna go down and and you might be saying, Okay, good, good that he got the slump out in in mid February and not mid March. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I'm with you on that. It's just when you look back the past few games, it hasn't. So yeah. let's bring this full circle. 
Second half is, is right about underway. My aunt shows up at this point. We let her in quickly. I'm like, all right, take a seat, take a seat. We got to get settled. And of course, as the second half quickly devolved into a bit of a nightmare, I was dropping some more F-bombs. My aunt was not prepared for that. I don't think she's ever watched a game with me, at least watched a game that was close or was going poorly for Villanova. And so she was definitely appalled with what she was hearing coming out of my mouth. We struggled to keep the game on towards the end, especially as the outcome became clear. And alas, my aunt really got no social interaction for the rest of the evening. I was in a foul mood coming out of this. This wasn't even one of those, oh, I'm glad we lost by a lot because I can process it. Nope, I was just in a terrible mood the rest of the night. So alas, kind of ruined my Saturday evening with my family. So sorry, family, you had to deal with that one. But I guess I'll blame it on, uh, I'll blame it on Swider. Why not? I mean, look, I, it's, it's, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it with, with, with Swider. I, like, I, they're juniors. Like Slater and Swider are juniors. Like, like yeah. that they have to play. And like Dixon not getting a minute, like I get it. We're, we, we, were, we were overmatched with speed and athleticism. But I look at that and I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like Dixon's a, a part of your rotation. You got to play him. Yeah. I'm fine with adjusting minutes and personnel to match an opponent. I'm not fine with someone playing zero minutes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I feel like we've talked about this before. Like Jay is just, you know, real stuck in, hey, these are the, the few guys I'm going to go with. And he seems to stick with it. But yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't working for this group, unfortunately. And and there were a lot of a lot of concerns in my mind coming out of this. But maybe that's a good a good uh, segue. Should we talk about do you want to talk about Marquette or should we talk about big picture? Well, let's talk about big picture plus the blueprint that you keep mentioning to beat us, because I think yeah. that's now become a thing. Speed and athleticism. Which has always been somewhat of the case with uh, with us. Like sometimes we can get blown by um, in the past, but but like speed and athleticism seem to be two big things. And Creighton's quick. Creighton's got a lot of quickness. We struggled with quick guards very early in the season. You'll remember against BC and you know Virginia Tech and Arizona State for a little bit. Arizona State we ended up winning handily, but you remember that earlier in the year where we got that experience and we're like, Oh crap. Like, you know, teams like this, you know, might be able to beat us. But then we thought after ripping off a ton of wins that, you know, maybe not so big a deal because maybe that was good to get that experience early on. Well, then we faced St. John's and they were all over us, picked up face guarded us from the get go. Teams are picking us up so far. Like we don't have, even when they just play half court, forgetting when they pick us up full court, when we play half court, guys are out on Colin far. So like clearly the scout is just guard the three point line versus no, you guard the three point line. You're good. And then clearly on the offense, on their offensive end, the scout is blow by and, 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 and then they collapse. Then you create open looks like, which is the, which is funny because it's the blueprint for what we used to do to teams all the time. Yeah. Um, but these guys are these teams are getting open looks. I checked on Kempom. We were like 58, 59, 60 around after the Marquette game in terms of adjusted defensive efficiency, which is not good, just to be clear. Right. Like 60th is not good. Um, we dropped to 90 after the Creighton game. Yeah, it's not a great look. No, no. And, and we're down to 11 overall. And that's because we're getting dragged down. We have like a top five offense. Or still an efficient offense, but like defensively, it's a it's an absolute disaster. And the thing that bothers me, and 
my sample size, I'll just really pull from Creighton. Even in that game, our more athletic guys, the guys I think of as more athletic, be it Slater, be it Samuels, etc. Yeah, we know they're not the quickest guys in the world, but even then, even they didn't look that great defensively. It wasn't like they were staying and they were they were glue guys. We still don't have a. There is no lockdown defender on this team. Period. We talked about. Slater maybe slotting into that a little bit of like, oh, he's got long arms. He can play a little bit of that Bridges role. No, just no. That is not the case at all. And because of that, there's no one that, there's no Sadiq Bey from last year. There's no one you want to put on the other team's best player and say, shut this guy down. We don't have that. I mean, J-Rob does that, but J-Rob can't do that to a point guard. He's great. He's not that great, though. And not having that killer, that lockdown defender, I think is going to hurt us in the long run. Because we're going to keep facing great players, whether it's Zegarowski, whether it's whoever else on the other top teams in the country. They all have really competent ball handlers. Yeah. And we have to be able to deal with that. I fear that this team has a little bit of uh, shades of like maybe like 14, 2014 Villanova, mm. um, where it's a good quality team, win a lot of games, but maybe, maybe not like that next gear defensively. And then when the shots don't fall, it really becomes a, a tough look. Like, I'm not sure. Is it, is it that? I, I, it's hard to say. You don't want to overdiagnose either. We played a look. We played a great team that was ranked top ten for a lot of the year. Yeah. Recently slid down. I know they were nineteen, but that's probably not reflective of what they no, really I, are. I agree. Um, so look, you're playing a team like that on the road. I understand there were fans in the arena, not a lot, but enough. And Creighton fans can be loud, so it might have been a little bit of a different atmosphere from that point of view. And like, so you got you got your ass beat on the road. It happens, but I still don't love it given the proximity to the St. John's game and what had been the blueprint to beat us earlier on the season. Yeah, I'm with you. So Uh, where does that leave us? So we just also, right before the Creighton game, they came out with the midseason seeding, which had us at a two. Yeah, so we're at a two seed. So this was was interesting because now – that Creighton game blows it up, and thank God we have another game versus Creighton on the schedule, which I hope doesn't get canceled because I really want to play them again because I feel like we can reverse fortune if we're able to knock them out in a few weeks. But on that bracket preview, so this has been now going on for a few years. The NCAA March Madness Committee comes out and they say, we're going to announce the top four teams from each region at this moment as like a practice run to – sensitize the basketball world into what they're thinking so that people can start to get an idea of what the tournament might look like. I think it's a great idea. They kind of plucked it from college football playoff to a degree. And I always like this. And I, and if you actually go back our very first episode of the podcast covered of the full 40 period, like three years ago, covered that, um, covered that very thing. So I like it. We came out as a two seed. And the uh, one seed in our region was Ohio State. And I said on Twitter, this is a good result. Like, we're not deserving at this point of a one seed relative to the other teams. That's fine. I didn't have any qualms for that. And as far as I'm concerned, just avoid Gonzaga and Baylor. And that's the name of the game. Avoid those two teams. And we're good to go. Well, we did that. And then we lost promptly. And now we are at risk of being a two seed in those teams brackets or a three seed in those teams brackets, which doesn't necessarily make a too big of a functional difference or, 
or we're a worse three seed. And then, you know, we got to deal with those consequences as it may be. But I said in an earlier episode of the podcast, you know, the worst this team's going to be is a three seed. That's probably backed up now to a four. You don't think of it just on that game alone, but that game had a lot of eyeballs at a bad time and we looked really bad doing it. So yeah. it's possible that we get knocked, that we can get further knocked down. But I think that we're going to win most of the games remaining, if not all of the games remaining. Creighton's obviously the big question mark. I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win a very large share of the remaining games. And as a result, I think we're going to wind up as a two or a three seed. So I think we're fine. Um, and of course, there could be attrition at the one seed level. Ohio State, Michigan, et cetera, lose some more games um, given their tougher schedule and we win out. If we win out and beat Creighton up and win the Big East tournament, sure. then, then yeah, we can get back to the one line. I think very much so. But I'm not counting on that. I would say that. I wouldn't either. I would say that we were a two seed then that probably represents the ceiling to get back to if we do well for the rest of the season. All right. So you're thinking a two seed? I'm thinking a two or a three. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I'm I don't actually, think it makes that much of a difference. I really don't. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if we end up as a three. I just feel like we've seen the inconsistency. Certainly if we lose to Creighton again and don't have another real quality win, because if you lose to Creighton, your best win is Texas, which is a great win, but you really don't have any other top flight wins. And that point, you're, you're resting all of, your, all of your marbles on that, on that single win. So it wouldn't surprise me if we... we Land at a three. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, look, I, I think it's important to keep an eye on this now. It, it's so weird, but like every single individual game is of increased importance. Where we would have been playing 27, 28, 29, 30 plus games going into the tournament, right? Like, usually it's like 34 games before you get to the tournament, like, or a minimum of like 32 or something like that. Yeah. Like, you're only, uh, like, we may get to 20. Yeah. Yeah, or sorry, we may get crazy. to we may get to twenty five. We may get to twenty wins, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, crazy. All right, well, I think that's probably enough on that. Before we get into kind of looking forward and scheduling, I mean, I feel like I have to give you the floor if you want to talk about our favorite uh, coach from Marquette. So look, we uh, earlier in the week we beat Marquette by a shit ton, absolutely blew them out, and in the process, I think we saw. And this, everyone on this, everyone who listens to the podcast knows very well. We think very, very little of uh, Steve Wojciechowski, the head coach in Marquette. And I think everything about that game really exemplified why we don't like. Him. Um, first off, there was a player who just yelled out "No fucking way" um, and got teed up as a result. And you see Wojciechowski losing his mind on the sidelines all the time. And this is not a guy who it's, this is not a guy who's complaining to the refs because he's passionate or whatever. Like, yeah, he's passionate. This is a guy who's about himself. And, that, and that's really it. And, it. and it rubs off on his team. He makes it about himself. He makes everything look like everyone's wronging him and wronging everybody else. And you just get the sense that he's a, he's an entitled prick really. Do. <laughs> um, and, and so you, you see it with the way the team, the, the team responds and as the team plays like a loose can, like he is on the sidelines. Like, yeah, yeah, sometimes they can channel that energy for like a minute or two spurt and knock like a 17 point lead to nine. And then the moment they lose their focus, it's a 30 point game. And there's everything about, that game versus Marquette is why Steve Wojciechowski drags that program down. He's a bad coach. He loses his team. 
He doesn't know how to channel energy appropriately. He makes it all about himself. And it's a disaster. And you just tell on the sideline. You can tell by the way Jay interacts with the coaches that he has that Jay doesn't respect Wojciechowski. <laughs> he doesn't respect him. He he respects Willard. He respects Cooley. He respects a lot yeah. of those guys who, by the way, those guys are hot too. They complain to the refs too. He likes them. He doesn't come. He doesn't like Wojciechowski. You could just tell from the jump. He he thinks that he, he, he doesn't like him, and for good reason. Yeah, and so, that was. And that was a, that was a just an absolute dumpster fire for Marquette too. Their yeah. season is in absolute disarray, and that was a game that, as we've always talked about, Villanova is the game that teams circle on their calendar. I mean, they may have had that circled, but maybe they circled the wrong date because they did not show up. I mean, we blew them out twice now this season. It's it's yeah. insane, and and they lost again at Seton Hall when Seton Hall played about as bad a game as they could possibly play. They blew. They 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 still lost to 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 Seton Hall. They, they're in a total tailspin. They're not going to make the tournament. They're not going to make the NIT. They're not going to make anything. And it's a, it's, it's a really sad state of affairs for, for the Marquette program. But they might need to cut bait. Unfortunately, though, due to – I was just reading up on this. Due to some really challenging budgeting issues at Marquette University, they might be stuck with him because he's got a big buyout in his contract. Yikes. And, and so they might be stuck with him for a long time. So, I mean, good for everyone else in the league because they're just going to beat up on Marquette. But Woj is not good there. It's a bad fit, it's, and, he's not, and he's not a good coach. He's not the, – the issue I have – we've spent enough time on Marquette. But the biggest issue I have is he's not progressing the program. There's no track record of progress there. He's, None. The program is the same or worse than when he came in. It's just it's, he's it's, done nothing to develop it. It's and that is a great worse. brand and a great program. And that and Marquette is a program too. They've had multiple coaches with a long track record of success, and he has done nothing to advance that. Yes, nothing. Marquette's a very proud program. Tom Crean was their coach. Uh, Buzz, Buzz Williams. Like, we love to hate on Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams was a great coach. Buzz Williams did great things while he was in Marquette. Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, Wojciechowski's tenure comes down to, like, basically one player in Marcus Howard. Take mm-hmm. Marcus Howard out of the equation. What does he have? He had the Howard yeah. brothers who played significant minutes. When have you seen brothers who played significant minutes and end up not – end up leaving a program that's as good as Marquette? doesn't happen. Totally. totally. Ridiculous. All right. Enough on Marquette. Enough yeah. On Marquette. It's not a Marquette podcast. All right. Let's do – so we talked about Marquette. Let's look ahead. So the weird thing is we played on Saturday – what do we have this week? One game on Saturday. Oh, my God. You would think that the game in the middle of this week that we were supposed to play was Georgetown. A lot of conversation about that game. But <laughs> we ended up playing, beating their ass. And you look at that and you say, okay, they moved up the game versus Georgetown to that Saturday or Sunday or whatever, to that Sunday. Yeah. And now we are going to play a game in that spot where we had an opening and now we're going to fill that opening with another Big East opponent because there's three teams that we hadn't played already yet. We haven't played DePaul. We haven't played UConn yet, but we're going to play UConn. And hold on, I'm forgetting who we haven't played. Uh, we, we hadn't played Creighton, but we played, but we played them now. So yeah. like, th- like you think like, okay, maybe they're going to squeeze another game in there. Maybe the other UConn game, maybe we're going to play the back-to-back. Maybe we'll get another St. John's game in. Maybe we'll get some, somewhere else another game on the calendar. Nope. 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 Just nothing. We have nothing on the calendar for the middle of this week. How is that fucking possible? And like, and, and if our listeners remember, 
you and I had a bet over under how many games would get rescheduled, yeah. and we set it at 0.5 was the number, and I took the under. And it looks good for me so far. Rob, I have to say, I never thought that it would be the case. I always thought – I thought you were crazy. I thought we would make up two or three games in February. I didn't think we'd get everything in, but I thought we'd get to 18 Big East games. Boy, do I look like an idiot. Um, it, it, it just doesn't seem like there's any effort whatsoever no, to make the – Nothing. Not. Nothing. And by the way, I read the other, I read on Twitter today, UNC was like, put a tweet out being like, hey, we're open this week if anyone wants to play us. Like, literally said, please inquire within. We'd be, what? We want to play a basketball game. What? And I have heard no noise, nothing. Oh. Whatever. How great would it be to play a game in the Dean Dome? And Roy and Jay are like, I don't know if they're buddies, but they're definitely like, they seem to be collegial when they're together, smiling, they're shaking hands. They're whatever. friendly like, enough. Yeah. Look, like we, we've done secret scrimmages with them before. Yeah. Like, why not? We need a game on the calendar. I mean, look, is it possible that we're recording this podcast? It's Monday night at 820. But like, is it possible that in the intervening period before we release it or whatever, that we get a game on the calendar? Yeah. But right now, it doesn't seem like there's any momentum. I haven't seen a single report today that said Villanova is exploring adding a Big East conference game for yeah. middle of this week. Villanova is exploring an out-of-conference game. Nothing. No noise. Nothing. And it just seems like the Big East has basically said all our teams hit 13 games total, which is what you need to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Therefore, we don't care. Whatever happens, happens for the rest of the season. Yeah. Crazy. It's wild. Wild. I'm with you. All right. So the game we do have is UConn, which we did a – a little bit of a preview for several weeks back prior to that being canceled. So we could do a, a light re-preview, if you will. But this team is, I don't know if I'd say they're in a tailspin, but they need some help right now. I mean, UConn is 9-5. and five. They're 6-5 and five in the Big East. They're 1-3 in their last three games. They've had a weird schedule with all their pauses and stuff like that. But lost to Seton Hall, lost to Providence, which is not a great loss. And then they beat Xavier the other day. So they're a team that needs a win, but isn't looking like they're a team that's necessarily going to get a win. And I don't know about you, but I'm not overly concerned by this. The guy, the big guy you need to know is, how do you say, is it Book Knight? Boat Knight? I don't even know. Whatever his name is, um, is their leading scorer and is definitely the guy when he goes, UConn goes. So he's the guy you got to watch out for. But I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too scared of this team. I feel like a few weeks ago this team was this team was ranked earlier in the year. Yeah, totally. They are far from far from ranked. Yeah, they're point. just it's a mess right now. I, I I can't figure them out. I don't know why why all of a sudden they got out of sorts. I mean, Book Knight is such a good player that him not playing is obviously a big factor in that. But even after he felt he 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 got knocked out, like they won a couple games, so they were doing pretty good. And I can't figure out why they're a mess. I I, I don't know enough to know. Oh, that's right. I did terrible research. Didn't even know he was out. That's terrible on my part. No, anyway. No, that's fine. He, he, th there's apparently word that he might be coming back. So I thought you were working off of that. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that story. I like it, Chris. Give me the credit. But anyway, prediction for this week in my mind is definitely a win. I'm saying this is like an 80 to 70 game, something like that. I'll call it Colin gets his groove back. I like it. Hopefully pretty soon. Yes, indeed. All right. Um, I think the only other thing we have is, should we do a little heart monitor? Yeah, let's do it. 
We got a lot of so, good shit going on. We got a little, maybe a little heart monitor slash Baywatch. I was going to say, this is definitely a renamed version of, if you remember correctly last year, you heard it here first. Yes. The Baywatch originated on the full 40. We're bringing it back, the Baywatch and NBA. Actually, a little bit of a slight, I will say. The last heart monitor we did, we listed all the guys in the league, with the exception of Sadiq Bey. Sadiq is obviously a listener of the pod. He heard that we skipped him. He was offended, and he decided to take that out on the league because the guy just got named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Not Eastern Conference Rookie of the Week, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Player of the Week. Well, that'll happen when you go seven for seven from deep. Seven for seven. Unbelievable. That is a rookie record for most three-pointers made in a game. And that would be something. That would be something, except – Two games prior, he also had a perfect outing from the field. He was three for three from three and six for six overall. Dude is just hyper-efficient, lighting the world on fire in the last week. Averaging 18 points, five, six rebounds a game. My God, I will say, I will readily admit, I was a little bit skeptical and a little bit worried that his three-point shooting was going to come back down to earth when he got to the league. But somehow it hasn't. It's actually gotten, I don't know if it's statistically gotten better, but it's really fucking impressive. Sadiq Bay absolutely holding up his end of the bargain. Detroit right now looking like they got a steal with how he's playing. So all of the hat tips to Sadiq Bay this week. My God, man. Insane. His his 30-point outing, he also had 12 rebounds that game, including a super clutch shot at the end to basically bury the Celtics. It was amazing. Ice in his veins, baby. Good for Sadiq. Love it. Love to see love to see the guys doing well. Sadiq is obviously off to a super hot start. No surprise. He was underrated at the 19th pick in the draft. Super good pickup by the Pistons. Already coming out looking real good on this early season. Um, we also had good performances around the league. Brunson has been playing pretty well as of late. He made a shot yesterday. Or, yeah, I think it was last night. That was ridiculous. Did you see this up and under? I haven't seen this now, no. No, it was insane. He was, like, falling down. I don't even understand how he got the ball in the hoop. Don't even understand. Yeah, and he's been playing a ton, too. He's basically playing starter minutes with the with the Mavs. Doesn't usually start, but plays anywhere between 20, 30, even 30-plus minutes. He played 34 minutes the other day with the, against the Trailblazers. So and, he's absolutely getting the run there and proving himself. And, and every time I turn around, I feel like Mikhail has another 20 spot. He's the real deal, man. He's the real deal. I swear, we're going to look back and say this is definitely like the golden age of Villanova basketball. I mean, the, the guys in the league right now are just absolutely holding up there into the bargain. It's so impressive. Yeah. At some point in time in a later podcast, we're going to go through like what our draft, our prospects on our team right now look like draft wise and, you know, other guys who have future. And we also have the added interesting nuance this year of everyone's allowed to come back. So true. We're going to make some predictions later about who actually does come back and what does that look like? Or does anybody come back and how does that all fit together with the recruiting class, this excellent recruiting class that we have coming in. So we have an interesting heart monitor slash what does it mean? How do we all figure this out this year? And it's actually going to impact a couple of years down the road too. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. a little preview as to what's to come later in the season. But for now, we're going to focus on the team and getting our shit together because we've now picked up two losses in the last five games and we need to get back on track here. Absolutely. All right. I think, Chris, I think we hit most of our topics. Yeah, I think that's it for now. I mean, look. 
I don't think it's worth spending more time on the Creighton game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, definitely not. I think everyone's eager oh, to move on. Should we make? Should we announce um, our recent Big East news? Uh, yeah, we can do that. I think we're going yeah. to do that. The university made it yeah. seem like we're okay to do that. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we just uh, we just talked to the university a little bit earlier today, and so the exciting news is we're going to be bringing you a another live version of the podcast, likely on Thursday of the Big East tournament. So more details to come on that, but you'll have another chance to watch us live, submit questions, and all that good stuff. So more details to come, but just something exciting, something exciting to uh, put on your calendar. Yeah, get excited. We're, we're, we're still trying to figure out exactly how, where it's going to be located. We're trying to work something out to get as close to the action as possible. But we will, we will see. But Love it. Love it. Stay tuned with us. We'll be back. I think we're, got, I think we're back on a normal schedule now. I think so. I think Sat- so. Sunday, Monday drops, Tuesday drops, something early like that. We want to be back on that schedule. It. We like it. It's more comfortable for us. It's been hectic and chaotic as the whole COVID COVID season has been. Um, so, but I think we're back on track now, and you can actually see around around the um, around the sport. There's not a lot of teams on COVID pause right now. It's actually yeah. starting to wind down, and so hopefully that's um, analogous to the to the re- reduction in cases going on and the increased vaccination effort. So hopefully, by the end of this season, we could be looking and living in a different world. Once again, so it'd be quite the interesting situation if COVID ended college basketball and then college basketball ended COVID. How about that? So uh, <laughs> I love it. The, re- love the it. return. So, all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Nova.